What's going on, everybody? This is the Feed to Embiid, and I am your host, Austin Krell. The Sixers were back in action tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. Of course, those who watch the games as much as I watch the games, they lost in San Antonio a few weeks ago, the final score being 129-295. The Sixers were looking to redeem themselves from a brutal loss in San Antonio. Um, and for a while, this game was uh, was sort of, I guess you could say, in question. Um, in fact, it was very much so in question for, for a good portion of the affair tonight. What happened early on in this game was the Sixers, immediately in this, in this game, Dom, uh, dominated with Embiid. They they made they did a great job of establishing him very early on in the game, and because of that, it it looked like the Sixers were going to come out and run with this one, and really take control early and establish themselves and and get a great home win before this daunting road trip that features the Nuggets, that features the Lakers, the, the Warriors. The, the Kings, and then the Spurs really sort of snapped out of it, and they took off really from there. Um, most notably, I thought early on, the um, the the defense was was spotty because they they were working to run the Spurs off of the three point line. And that's sort of their philosophy. That that's what they do on on defense. That they they love to get. They want to get you off the three point line, especially in the corner. And it was very apparent that they would get them off the three point line, and then the Spurs would then get a mid range jumper out of it. And it, 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 although they were sort of completing that task of getting them off the three point line. It was still as if okay, you know, you're you're you are you are you are getting done what you wanted to get done, but but you are still getting um, torched from the mid range area, and so it was sort of like yeah, you were completing the goal, but you were also were getting hurt in an area where you where you weren't sure you'd get hurt. And that's how the Spurs stayed in it for the first couple of minutes of the game. The Sixers started out of, of thirteen to three. Then the the Spurs went on a on a run, and from then on out, it was a really good game. It really was. And what made it a good game in the first quarter was that the Sixers got Embiid and they buried him in the in, in the paint. They, they got him on the block, and they really said this is they said this is our big man, and we know that no matter what you do, no matter what you do. You cannot and you will not stop him. And, you know, they were right. The, the Spurs couldn't stop Embiid early on. And, um, you know, there was really no way to counter him. And despite despite Embiid fighting some back tightness and some back soreness, he was able to stay in the game and really have his effect on, on this one. And... Um, so you know, on the offensive side of the ball, things were things were just fine. On the defensive side, uh, things continued to be 
disappointing. I guess is the word is the word is the word is the word you could say for for what was happening in this game. It started off with with an easy one. The defense of the pick and roll featuring Lamarcus Aldridge and 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 uh, and DeMar DeRozan was really, to be honest, non-existent. The Sixers completely failed to defend the pick and roll. And they did so in a fashion where it was really just frustrating because you look at how the, 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 the play is set up, and let me let me sort of run you through this and talk and talk you through how this goes. So DeRozan's obviously your ball handler, right? And you have Lamarcus Aldridge setting a screen probably to, to DeRozan's left because uh, to DeRozan's right side because DeRozan's a right do, very dominant player. He likes to get to that middle of the floor area and operate from the free throw line extended out to the out to the uh, the elbows. And that's where he really kills you is that mid range territory. And so the Sixers were electing to go under the screens and make him shoot from the outside. He's not a good three point shooter. In fact he's shooting he shoots twenty four point eight percent for his career from three. And they were sort of banking on that, but the thing is this: they weren't they weren't hard hedging well. They weren't showing the, they weren't showing um, the switch and that uh, from the big and Embiid and then coming back. So the Rosen would just would just would just duck under the screen and he would just he'd just stop and pop for a mid range jumper. He'd get it off with a little last space, and it would be cash money. And so they really did a terrible job of defending that. I would have thrown a hard hedge at them at first, see how they handle that, see if. Derozan hit, hits Marcus Aldridge cutting for a layup, and if he does, you got to count. You got you to hope that your help defense is 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 trained enough and, and is and is learned enough to step in and, and sort of have a foot in that pain area when you're trying to defend the roller on the pick and roll. Um, ultimately, the Spurs were able to climb back in it and take the lead. And really looked very formidable to the Sixers in the first quarter because of the three point shooting. Eventually. The, the, the Sixers were earlier taking away the three, but then they, that sort of collapsed towards the latter end of the first quarter. Spurs went on to shoot six of eight from three in the first in the first quarter. In the second quarter, the Sixers really did a great job of um, taking care of the basketball. In fact, um, just five minutes into the second quarter, which would which would put us at seven minutes in the game clock, Sixers had not committed a turnover. Think about that. All season long, turnovers have been their Achilles' heel, and it's been that way for the last year and a half. And here they are against one of the better defensive teams in the NBA, against one of the more patient and frustrating teams in the NBA, and they haven't turned it over until the seven-minute mark of the first of the second quarter. The first turnover was a cross-court pass from Jonah Bolden, which is obviously a big no-no. You never want to throw a cross-court pass, and you never want to throw a cross-court pass having left your feet because the only way. To get to get to, to move the ball without without shooting it, and you, when you jump, it's the pass, and that puts you in no man's land. Where you got to make a move, or else you're gonna turn it over. So Jonah left his feet, jumped, and threw a cross court pass that had no chance of getting across the court to the shooter. Aldridge tipped it and caught it like like a like a cornerback, like and it was a turnover. And um, but still, you know, a great job of defending uh, or, or of taking care of the basketball on the offense. Throughout the second quarter, the Sixers continued to do a terrible job defending the three-point shot. In this game, the Spurs shot, I believe they made 16 or 17 from three. No, they made 13, my apologies. They made 13 threes. 
But Patty Mills and Marco Bellinelli and Bryn Forbes really hurt them. Marco Bellinelli more so in the second half, but Mills and Forbes really crushed their souls in the first half and, quite frankly, kept them in it. They really kept – they were the only uh, players for the Spurs that were really making long-range baskets. And it was the same old story. It was the defense of the pick and roll. Do you want to go under? Do you want to go over? Want a soft hedge, hard hedge, switch? And this is the type of team where they have versatile enough wings where you can't switch. You can't switch because you don't want to get Embiid on DeRozan. That's, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. And if you don't believe me, there's proof of that in the pudding that was last year's playoff series against Celtics when Embiid would end up on Tatum. That's, um, that's you know, that that's never something that you want. And so with that being said... Um, they really didn't have any remedy for the for the for the Spurs in that second quarter, and if it wasn't DeRozan who they weren't switching onto, they weren't hard hedging. It was, as I said, it was Forbes, it was Patty Mills, and it would they would just set a screen, come 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 out, come um, you know, use this screen, come over it, and they would just stop and pop a three. And that was what it was. It was wide open looks every time, and it was infuriating because it's like, Brett, do something. They knew they they you know they're NBA players. They can do better than this. Call a timeout. They can adjustment, and that, we can solve this problem really quickly. And um, you know, this is how you guard a pick and roll when you're a good shooter, or when when when, when the shooter is a good ball handler. Oh, sorry, when the ball handler is a good shooter, this is how you defend a pick and roll. So you're coming over the screen. Left-handed player, he's going to go to his left. The screen will be set on the left side of the, of the defender. Um, if it's right, opposite, obviously. The screen will be set to the right side. You should come over to your to your dominant hands if you're com- feel comfortable in that spot. Because typically, when you're a shooter, you're going to want to shoot moving to your right or on the right side of the floor. When you're a lefty, you're going to want to shoot moving to the left or the left side of the floor. Um and so then the, the shooter's going to come over the screen, right? And your big man's going to have a decision to make. If he can shoot the ball from outside, like, like LaMarcus Aldridge can a little bit, now, I wouldn't say three-point range, but free-throw line area, uh, top of the key, right inside the three-point three line. Got like DeMarcus Cousins, Embiid, Anthony Davis. Those are all capable perimeter shooters. So do you dive to the basket, or do you come out and pop out? Depends on the play call. Depends on the situation of the game. Depends on who's defending you. Depends on how they're defending you. If the guy like Embiid defending me, I'm probably going to want to pop out because it's a it's a it's a pain in the butt to have to fight over Embiid to get your position in the paint. If you are trying to, if if it's a guy if it's if it's a, if it's a defender who is very ripe in his knowledge and is trying to cheat the pick and he's and he's and he's being aggressive, you're going to want to backdoor and get hit with an easy pass for a dunk. Because you're going to beat him to the basket anyway. Now, let's forget about the, about, the, about the screen setter. Let's move on to the shooter, the ball handler. So when you're the ball handler and shooter, you have a decision to make. Do you find your man in the corner? Do you shoot the ball yourself? Do you find your, your cutter? Do you look opposite and find the guy open on the wing? Um, it all depends on what you're reading. If the defense is a good help defense, they, they, they're playing in a more mutual area where they can cover both their man should he get the ball or you, if you should attack, you're probably going to want to sort of try to break them down and make a decision. Make them make a decision before you make a move. Do I shoot? Do I attack the basket and then lay it up and in, look for a foul? Do I 
kick it to my my shooter in the corner. So, as a defender, you want to assess the situation based on what's happening. So know your so first of all know your personnel, right? If you have a guy like DeRozan who's not a great three point, you know what? He's a, he's a bad example because we're not talking about him right here. Let's talk about a guy like like Patty Mills or guy like Jimmy Redick. Those are all great shooters. So you're gonna want to, I think, hard hedge. And you know they're they're not gonna attack the basket. They're not that athletic enough that they're really gonna beat you off the dribble. So you do have time to show with the switch and then get back to your to your guy because you're gonna you're gonna perturb their ability to to to, to turn the corner and attack. So, how do you defend this? I might so, I might hard hedge. I might go under the screen, but I'm uh, but I'm I'm sorry. I might go over the screen, but I'm not going under the screen. Not giving the shooter any space to operate. And then, well, I had I had to make a decision. Do I want to if, if I'm from the big? How long do I stay with the shooter? Do I do I get do I stay there until my my, my teammate comes back to help? Do I show for a quick second and then get back to my and then run back to my to my rim runner? Do I um, show as long as do I do I show until the, my teammates recover completely and then and then uh, book it back to the rim? Do I show for a just a short period of time just to sort of tip them off a little bit and then immediately blow it and come back to the come back to my man? Um, Depends on it depends on the role. It depends on the ball handler. Say like Russell Westbrook, you're probably going to show until your teammate comes back. But no matter what, your decision is going to be impacted by who your teammates are on the court and who is there to help you. If it, should your roller get past you, typically you you'd hope that your teammates are going to be in a mutual area, preferably around the block, where they can slide over and stop your stop the roller. Should he get slipped the ball and then he has a wide open look, um, you want to hope that they're in a mutual position where, let's say they find, let's say the the, the ball handler hits the, the the big and then the big finds a kicks it to a shooter in the corner. You want to be in a mutual position where you can go back and cover both, and that's hard in the moment. I understand that. I played basketball for four years in high school. I've studied the game. I watched film. I you know I I know how the game works. It's hard to to be in a mutual help position, but you got to be disciplined enough to not overcommit to the big until he's made a decision, but not neglect a guy in the corner or your man. And so that's sort of how you defend the, the, the pick and roll. You you read the situation. You read who has the ball, who is the big. You if he's a shooter, chances are I'm probably not. I'm probably going to play a more mutual screen where. I can get to my I can get to my to my to my assignment who is the screener or I can get to the guard who has the ball. If he's more of a rim runner, I'm not gonna cheat because I'm gonna get backdoor cut for 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 an, for an easy dunk. If he's only a shooter, I'm probably going to play it as if I know he's not going to to to, to try to beat me to the rim. Also, gotta understand yourself. Who am I? Am I a physical big center like Joel Embiid? You also got to understand who are my teammates. Are they good help defenders? And so that all goes into how you defend the pick and roll. And it's very difficult to sort of dis- explain. And so if if you know if if you want to talk about it some more, you can also obviously follow me on Twitter, Austin Krell NBA. 
Um, that, that, that's my handle. You can also contact my my uh, my associates at nothing but net dash radio or dash radio on Twitter. Those are the handles. Um, but you know that that's how I'm going to describe it for now. So getting back to the game now that I've given that breakdown, you really felt the impact of Joel Embiid in this in this contest. And not really so much on the court as we always see him dominating, but really off the court too. Joel ch- checked out for a quick break because he wanted to go back in the locker room and, and stretch his back out. He's been dealing with some back tightness. The Spurs went from down eight in the court in the game to back into it or up by three or four. As soon as MB comes back, the orders restored six to go back up eight. So you really see how exactly the team implodes when he's not there. And maybe not even so much as implodes when he's not there, but the psychological aspect of it, of maybe he won't be able to come back, I think alters the team's ability to play a little bit on defense. Because everything changes and momentum swings a little bit, and the league completely just dissipates. And the Sixers are ultimately up by three at halftime. The third quarter... Um, one thing I noticed early on was Embiid chased DeMar DeRozan out to the perimeter when he, when he was moving through a uh, through a, a, a screen, and he sort of pulled back and decided to re um, to reset the play, and Embiid chased him out. Now, I don't know if that was the Spurs' plan to get Embiid out on the perimeter because as soon as he, you know, it, it's it's like it's like um, plugging a, a Plugging a hole in a boat and then unplugging the hole and watching what happens when the water comes in. It's gonna be chaotic, lot, lot, lots of moving parts, too much to handle. As soon as MB comes out of that paint, everyone's cutting around him, everyone's moving, and it's very difficult to, um, to to sort of defend the paint well with MB moving out. And I don't know if that was Popovich's intention to get MB out in the perimeter for a little bit, but he chases Demar Derozan out in the perimeter and. I was just really disturbed by that because that's how, that's how the Sixers lost to the Celtics last year. That's a lot a big reason why is that they were able they, the Sixers switched everything. Celtics would draw them out to the perimeter with Jason Tatum, and that would open up the middle of the of the lane to, to, to the, the free flow of cuts for Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, Marcus Smart, um, Jalen Brown. You know, everyone on the, everyone under the sun was cutting around the Sixers, and. I, I would really hate them to go back to that habit of, of bringing Embiid out. You know, they, their defense has gotten better this year, and they look better because they've, they've been adamant about keeping Embiid in the paint and not being so undisciplined as to come out and try to defend the perimeter. Um, but I, I, I didn't see that happening as much. after I didn't see that happen at all after that, so I just wanted to note that, God, don't do that. Don't, don't fall into that trap. Um, again, the third quarter, DeMar DeRozan continued to feast on the mid-range jump shots. Um, that was how the, the Spurs stayed in it and took the lead eventually. So the Spurs led by as many as seven in the third quarter. And you just felt the Sixers regressing to old defensive habits, bad pick-and-roll coverage, um, a little bit of perimeter de- defense that, that, was, that was sort of not wise choices. Um, do have another point to make about the X's and O's of the game. So, I, no, I, I noted this in the past, and I, I noticed it again. 
Um, I think that there's a good chance that MB there is a correlation when, when MB struggles. It's because of the assignment he's playing defensively. It's a guy like Lamarcus Aldridge or Demarcus Cousins, guys who can stretch the floor. MB has to go out and defend them on the perimeter, and he has to go out and move, and move fast, or else they're gonna they're gonna take a shot in his eye. And they have to recover and get back to the basket if they if they pass away. So it's a lot of motor to be be used in short bursts if you're a guy like Joel Embiid who's seven foot two, two hundred whatever pounds, fifty, sixty, seven, whatever whatever the number is. And you know, that's exhausting for him, I'm sure. Now a guy like Drummond who's a back to his basket, back to the basket, ten feet out kind of guy, he knows he can stay anchored to the rim. And so I think that having to run back and forth when you have a shooting five who can stretch it I think that takes a toll on Embiid, and it makes him tired on both ends. <clears throat> and his game always, his game always, um, <clears throat> his game always struggles because of that in those games. And I just think it's a, I, I, you know, and this isn't to say that Embiid's, you know, I have any, I don't have any issue with Embiid. I love Joel Embiid to death. I, you know, he he's been a godsend to this team. Um, you know, I, I've been a lot happier in my life since he's joined, since he's been a sixer, because they're ha- they're, I've always said that their their winning has been a correlation to my happiness. Um, but he does tend to struggle a little bit against guys like Horford and, and other bigs who can step out and shoot it. I think it has a lot to do with having to come out and contest jump shots and then quickly recover back to the rim if the shot isn't there for the, for the player. In the fourth quarter... It was all about Embiid. It was really Embiid himself versus the Spurs. He scored 16 straight points in the quarter at one point. Ultimately, the Spurs were able to pull away thanks to Bellinelli. A couple of three-pointers from Mark Bellinelli that were unbelievably difficult. Loves to catch and shoot, moving off, off, off of tough angles with a hand in his face. He loves those shots. He made a couple of them t- tonight. One, one that put him up, three, up eight with uh, about two minutes ago. Landry Shamit comes down. And he hits a three to bring him within. Or no, Ben Simmons comes down, dunks it uh, really easily. There's no rim protection. Ben coming out of the lane, hammers it home. Six is down by six. Six is going to stop then. Um, Landry Shamit. Ben Simmons hits Landry Shamit at the corner three. Look, knocks it down. It's down to a three point game. Six is going to another stop from the Spurs. Reddick comes down with a minute left, and, and it's a screen. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pick and pop. Reddick's a screener. He flashes out to the perimeter, and uh, Simmons hits him, hits a three, and gets fouled. Four-point play. Sixers up by one. Spurs turn it over. Sixers come back. They can't get a shot. Or they, they, they get a shot, but it's no good. It's blocked, and then a shot clock violation, yada, yada, yada. Spurs come back. DeMar DeRozan goes to dunk it, and he, he tries to... Um, DeMar, DeMar goes to dunk the, the ball, and he completely... Uh, you know, Wilson Chandler comes out of nowhere, and blocks him. It was really just the most un- improbable, imp- improbable, um, you know, unbelievable play where you're like, like I-, I didn't know Wilson Chandler could do this. I've never seen him do this ever. And you're just so like, of, of, of all heroes, of all likely heroes, it's the corpse of Wilson Chandler coming to save the day. So just get the ball back with about 10 seconds left in the game. Um, they're trying to play, keep away for the Spurs trying to foul. And um, you get to Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer misses one of two. 
Spurs have one second left on the clock, and and what happens is the uh, this the, well first of all, um, Greg Popovich elects to go and take Victor Oladipo out of the game. Not, not Victor Oladipo. Oladipo got hurt tonight. I was thinking of that. I don't know why I thought of that. Demar Deroz- he elects to take Demar Derozan out, out of the game because Derozan is not a good three point shooter. But he is their best scorer. He has a lineup of Aldridge, I think Bryn Forbes, Bellinelli, Rudy Gay, and Petty Mills. Let's keep in mind the Spurs are down by two with one second left. They're running all these little flare screens and curl screens around Aldridge. And then finally, Bellinelli comes to the ball because nothing's there. They get it into Bellinelli. Ben Simmons is there to tip the pass. The clock runs. Time runs out, and the Sixers pull away with it with an improbable, an improbable win against the Spurs team that, quite frankly, I've never seen blow a lead ever. I've never seen the Spurs blow a, a single lead, and um, the Sixers were down by eight with two minutes to go in this contest, and somehow, some way, they do pull it out, and it was just I I was befuddled. I was shocked by it. Really, it's a it's a really great win for them because no Butler tonight due to the wrist injury that he had surgery on a couple of years back. Um, they get they are able to close out a game they were trailing by by eight with two minutes left against a very formidable team, and they are able to close it out. And on top of that, they were able to keep turnovers down only twelve turnovers tonight. Embiid was again masterful, thirty three points, nineteen rebounds. Simmons, I think at 20, 15, and 10. And this is a gutsy win. They didn't play all that well. Gutsy win, though. They, they they split the season series with the Spurs. They get redemption from that blowout in San Antonio earlier in the season. And they're now 4-1 on this difficult stretch. Or, yeah, 4-1 on this difficult stretch. Heading in, head, Now heading on the road. They'll be in Denver on... Um, they'll be in Denver on Saturday. The Nuggets, of course, are. I think they're thirty-one and fourteen. They're a very, very difficult team to beat in their own building. That's probably in part due to the, the, uh, the you know the 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 air density change or whatever, whatever it is. They are thirty-one and fourteen to twenty and four at home. Sixers are 32 and 17, 11 and 12 uh, away. So that will be a very interesting matchup, and we'll be right here reacting to that game following the final buzzer. This has been the feed to Embiid. Again, I am joining nothing but net dash radio, which again, for those of you um, who are who are. You know, again, who I appreciate so much for for for, for always tuning in. That is at NBN Dash Radio. No underscores, just straight up NBN Dash Radio. Um, and of course, Parent Station Dash Underscore Radio is their handle. If you want to talk to me about some basketball? Want to follow me or whatever? Um, I'm always happy to talk about the game and answer questions or what have you. At Austin Carell NBA, no underscore, just that's straight up what my name. Uh, Austin Carell NBA, that's it. 
is my hand is my handle. Um, and again, thank you for the opportunity, and I'm looking forward to, to to moving forward with Dash Radio and seeing what this future holds for me. So, quick word from our sponsors before we're out of here. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It is also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K, all caps, all one word. Uh, or sorry, um, for a ten percent discount on all products, enter the code Trust the Cobra Ten. That is Trust the Cobra Ten, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to Embiid is protected by U.S. copyright laws, reproduction, and distribution of the feed to Embiid without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the feed to Embiid 2019. Sixers win it tonight against Spurs 122 to 120. They improved to 32 and 17 on the year and um, 21 and 5 at home. They will be in Denver. Nine o'clock tip off on Saturday. Nuggets thirty one fourteen twenty and four on their home court. Sixers eleven and twelve away. We'll be back here with some post game coverage. Following the final buzzer. Again, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Um, shout out to Dash Radio for the opportunity. Again, follow them Dash underscore Radio or NBN Dash Radio. Follow if you want to talk hoops. Follow me, Austin Krell, NBA. Um, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back with more Feed to Embiid once the buzzer sounds in Denver.